0: Goodness is interesting because I'm always, when I see the word good and goodness, I think of Jesus' comment when they call him a good teacher and he goes, why do you call me good? No one's good but God. Which means why you need the fruit of the Spirit. Because you're never going to be good on your own. And your goodness is going to be simply like a righteousness filthy rag. So Paul, again in Romans chapter 15, 14, says this. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. Goodness is not something that's 10%. You're either all good or you're not. You're filled with goodness or you're not that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. So again, we are to do, be goodness. 2 Thessalonians 1, 1 says this, To this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. How much do you desire goodness? So many times people say, I pray but it feels like my my prayers don't get past the ceiling. Well, God hears, but how many times do we pray as according to what God's will is? And God's will is that we desire goodness. Perhaps if we desired goodness as much as all the other temporary things that we seek, we'd be amazed at how He would rain goodness down upon us our hearts. And in 2 Thessalonians, it says this, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. You see, God has called us and we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. But we are his workmanship to do good works, to be good to others, to be a blessing to others, to seek the benefit and the beneficial for others and not just ourselves. The next part of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. I have two verses here. Neither one of those verses talk about a man being faithful. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's frequently called the honor roll of faith. And every single person mentioned there was a man or woman of faith, but they were not always faithful. In our faith, we're kind of like the cheating husband who says, I've been faithful to that woman several times. And we tend to do that with God. Well, I'm faithful today, not so much on Monday, but I've been faithful to God several times. And that's not what God has called us, and that's not what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is to be faithful. Now, part of the word faithful, you can look at it as two ways. One, it's not here Full of faith. That's not what the scriptures is referring to. This is more being loyal, being trustworthy, being consistent, that you are faithful. And so I'm going to use as an example of faithfulness, not a man or a woman, but the one who is faithful. And that is our Lord. And so in Corinthians... 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. I'm sorry, uh, chapter um, 10, yeah, 13. No temptation has overcome you, but such as is common to man. So, I want to start off by saying, all of us think that our lives is harder than everybody else. And all of us think that you just don't understand. And all of us think that we do understand, and that, oh, because you're going through this, I know what you're going through, either because I've done something similar or whatever. And all of you are wrong. Because your reaction to what may happen and my reaction to the same event may be totally different because I come from a different background, a different set of emotions, a set of different hormones. It's a different set of experiences. So my response to that situation may not be and probably is not yours. But, as the word says, no temptation has overcome you, but such is common to man. Which means, this: you're not in this alone. Other people have gone through this. Okay? And God is faithful. He's trustworthy. He's loyal. He's dependable. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. When you're going through these circumstances, you can get your eyes off the circumstances and say, he will do it. I don't know how he will do it, but he will get me through and see because he is faithful. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, it says this faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. God is faithful. And if we claim, and rightfully so, to be his children, then his DNA ought to permeate us, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And that is faithfulness. Jesus, when he told A parable talked about these servants. And in the parable on two of them, he ends that portion of the parable by simply saying this, well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your master. He didn't say Well done, good, and profitable slave. He didn't say well done, good, and technically, theologically correct slave. Well done, good, and fill in any other blank. He said well done, good, and faithful slave. when God has called you and Jesus has saved you, you're going to go to heaven. But wouldn't it be awesome to not simply be there, but to hear from your master. Well done, good and faithful slave. We need to seek His blessing. We need to seek His compliments. And all too often, we're so eager to hear from others, oh, that was a great sermon, oh, that was whatever, your ministry is impressive because you started with the church of X and now they're 20 times the whatever. And we're so eager to hear compliments from each other when ought to be what we're looking for to hear only from our Master. And to hear that we have as part of that fruit of the Spirit faithfulness. Not that I was faithful several times to God, but that I was faithful. Now obviously there's nothing I can do about yesterday and beyond. And there's nothing that you can do about yesterday or beyond. But we can seek that through the Spirit to say that I am going to hear my master say. And notice what the response of those in the parable were. It wasn't, ooh, look at me, I'm wonderful. I'm looking forward to the promotion. It was, I'm an unprofitable slave. I only did what you told me to do. And if you want... I understand that that parable is so powerful because, for instance, the scriptures have been telling us over and over to love one another, to love our enemies, to love our brethren as he has loved one another and to give themselves And if we do that, we didn't come up with that. That was a command of God. It wasn't my idea, it was his. Simply being obedient to what he said. Or if we minister and we sing or we hand out tracts or we... Give food to the poor. Whatever it is our ministry may be. I only did it because you told me to. And you gave me the strength and the power to do it. Gentleness. Some of the translations will talk about meekness. And the problem with meekness, in our current view of that word, we kind of, when we see meek, we kind of automatically go to wimp. To be meek is kind of like to to be a wallflower, to be kind of non-existent in a crowd. And let me tell you that our Lord was meek, but He wasn't meek in that definition. That's why I prefer, if you will, this, because of our modern views, gentleness. And when I saw this word, and I'm trying to explain, I remembered many, many years ago, almost 38, 39 years ago, uh, my wife and I and our family went back to Virginia to do a, a little bit of vacation and, and to show um, my wife, my relatives. And one of my relatives had a... Uh, I hesitate because the, the word is chicken ranch, but some of you will go in a different place. It's where you rose-raised chickens. And they would come with little tiny chicks where they didn't even have feathers. They were just a ball of fuzz. And they would get like 20,000 of them. I mean, they had like two massive, I mean, I think our whole, set, whole building here would be like one of their buildings. And they started off with little cage deliria, and then as the chickens grew, it would take up the whole place. Well, my son was a little over a year old, and we gave him a little chick to hold. And he went, and we go, gentle. Now, one of the reasons why we said gentle is because it's hard to say gentle mean. It's gentle. He, you know. Now notice, as being one, two years old, he had the power to crush that thing. not a matter of his inability to do something. It was to be gentle, to treat that little chick properly, to be gentle. It's not lack of power. As a matter of fact, our Lord, the meek, mild, mebbled toast one, at least once, probably twice, depending upon your view of the Scriptures, went into his father's house and kicked people out. He took a, a whip, turned over some tables, and said, you have made my father's house a den of robbers, but it's supposed to be a house of prayer. Our meek Jesus was beaten, and scourged, and mocked, and ridiculed, and crucified. A wimp could never endure that. His power was gentle. And so advice on gentleness comes from Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Those of you who are married, you ought to underline that verse. Because I know your response is, your spouse pushes your button, so you're going to push the button back. Scripture says, a gentle word a gentle word. And if we can do that to our spouses, we also ought to do it with one another. I find it interesting that the worst actions that we have are the to the people that we are closest to and claim we love. We can say the most reprehensible things to our spouse. But we would never say that to our boss or to a stranger. What about being gentle to your family, to your friends, and to your church? Matthew 5, verse 5, is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the gentle, or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now under its current Occupation, I'm not too sure I want it. But there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the gentle will inherit the earth. And then Paul expressing that same gentleness and meekness in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 says this. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness And gentleness of Christ. Notice he doesn't even say by the meekness and gentleness of me. He says, I urge you, remember who Jesus was. Remember what Jesus did. He was meek, he was gentle. I urge you according to his gentleness. I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. Paul's responding saying, Whoa, Paul, you're pretty, pretty hard and bold when you write these letters. you're kind of a wimp when you're face to face and Paul's going no I'm I'm meek I have power but I don't exercise it I'm gentle with you because I understand it's the gentleness and the kindness that leads to repentance and then the last topics talked about in the fruit of the spirit I find interesting Because it contains a word that we love to talk about. Self. Self Self-control. Now I find this interesting. I don't understand why it didn't say spirit control. But it says self-control. Which means in part of this, I have some responsibility. So it says this in First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-five. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Paul is saying, take any athletic event. What do the athletes do? They train. They spend hours and hours training. They make sure that what they eat and drink and consume is proper for their body. They make sure that their body is capable of doing what it's capable of doing in the... the not being as great an athlete as I like and and um, I'm kind of at that point where the older I get, the greater I was. And um, so, you know, the the, the one thing that I, I do really badly is like ice skating. So when I ice skate, like, my right leg kind of stays straight and my left kind of goes, turns out like this. And I, and I can't go backwards and I can't do anything. So you watch like the Olympic ice skating. And it's like a two-minute program. And when they're done, they're just breathing heavily. And I'm going, I don't get it. I thought you were training. I don't understand why you're so tired. Now they're giving it all. And it's easy for me to say because I'm sitting watching it on TV. But they've trained and they've trained and they've trained for that event. Same way with sprinters or whatever. They do all that they do to, and for what? A gold medal or some TV contracts or whatever it might be. But all of those things are perishable. Paul's saying, if an athlete is spending all that time and all that effort to deny himself or herself of, food or good times or whatever it might be so that they might be at the most excellent condition to compete, then why not us? Because what we seek is not a perishable but an imperishable one. One when we're before the bema seat that Christ might say and present us a crown of righteousness and to present us Hopefully with that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Self-control. To say, I will deny myself this temporary that it might benefit others and the immortal. The last verse I want to talk about comes from Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And again, I want you to see how many times various words are used from the fruit of the Spirit. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And even patience. And in your perseverance, godliness or goodness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our lord jesus christ these are the aspect again we go back what's your theology what's your training what 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 seminary did you go to? What college did you go to? None of these questions are asked. The questions are asked, how have you been affected by the Spirit of God? Are you increasing in excellence, in knowledge, in self-control, in perseverance, in godliness, in brotherly kindness, and love? These are the things that God is interested in. And these are the things that we should be inspecting in our lives to see if they're there. And if they're not there, to be very, very afraid. Because we've deceived ourselves. But if you have these things, then God can use you. It's not what seminary you went to. It's not how many times you've read the Bible. It's not how excellent your theology. Who are you? And God can use you. Because God can fix your theology. You're useful and not unfruitful. Verse 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted. Why did God call you? Why are you useful? What demonstrates that you are a child of God? Where is the spirit? And if you don't see these things and you think you're that, you're blind or short-sighted. Having forgotten his purification from his former sins, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. You want to walk with God. Have the spirit and the fruit produced in your life. The difference between the person who wakes up every day not sure of his salvation or not sure of God's love or not sure of what's happening is because that person has forgotten what his calling is and that person has not seen the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want us to be blind. I don't want us to be short-sighted. It is wonderful if we grew numerically. That would be great. One of my prayer requests continues to be but if we grew in numbers but not in fruit, we wasted our time. And if we say the same number but we're more like Jesus today than we were a year ago and more like Jesus tomorrow than we were yesterday and more like Jesus 10 years from now than we were before, then we have succeeded far beyond all that we can imagine. Because the point of church is to build his body and to reflect who he is. And numbers don't reflect who he is. Why, frankly, he chose 12. And out of those 12, he changed the world. Not because of them, but because he rose from the grave. And that same spirit that was in those 12 guys are the ones that is in us. And the fruit of the spirit ought to be changing us and growing us and developing us so that we are more like him. So yes, join with me in prayer that our church grows. But join with me that each of us individually and collectively increase in the fruit of the Spirit and that we see love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in our lives. Not because or get a promotion, but that we might hear, Well done, good and faithful slave. But we will only hear that we allow that sweet, sweet spirit to envelop us so much that they see Christ rather than us.